Morning, saints. I invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 75 this morning. Psalm 75, verse 1, as we will begin our Thanksgiving sermon with that text. I've entitled this sermon, A Practical Theology of Thanksgiving, primarily from the Psalms. A Practical Theology of Thanksgiving, primarily from the Psalms. I'm going to let you know up front, for many of us, this is what we would call an elementary sermon. What do I mean by that? You may not learn anything new this morning. But although it's an elementary sermon for many of us, it's also a necessary sermon for many of us. And why is that the case? Well, until you and I become perfect thanksgivers, then we need to be reminded that we need to give thanks in all circumstances. So now I invite you to hear and receive the inspired and authoritative word of the triune God. He is the only true God Brothers, sisters, and friends, this is his word. Psalm 75, verse 1. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks, for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. Let's read it one more time. We give thanks to you, O God, we give thanks your name is near, we recount your wondrous deeds. Let us pray. Lord, we do give you thanks and praise, and we acknowledge that you alone are worthy of all glory and power and dominion forever and ever. And so we pause our hearts this morning, and we ask that you would teach us to be authentic Thanksgivers. That's our prayer this morning, Lord. We know that we are supposed to give thanks. We know many reasons why we should give thanks. But Lord, we confess there are times, and those times are all too often, when we find it difficult to give thanks. We confess that we may say thank you without truly being thankful as well. And so, Lord, our prayer this morning is that you would make us more like Christ through in his ministry and in his life on this earth, we can recount in the Gospels the many times where he acknowledges you and he gives thanks to you. And so, Lord, help us to acknowledge you in all of our ways that we might give thanks. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me go ahead and be the first to wish you a happy Thanksgiving as we anticipate partaking of a wonderful meal and hopefully giving thanks as well for this holiday season. Um, I don't know about you guys. I don't know how many of you are looking forward to Thanksgiving. I would assume many of you, but there's one thing that I don't necessarily look forward to when it comes to Thanksgiving, but I'm still thankful for it. And that's turkey. I'm not the biggest fan of turkey. And so I'm thankful for it. I will eat it if it's there. Praise the Lord. But I'm really thankful for my mother-in-law. Because although she makes a turkey and sometimes a ham, she puts a big ribeye roast (laughs) on the rotisserie, slowly and surely cooking. And when I arrive, there's not anything I have to do 
other than maybe slice it and eat it. I'm thankful and I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving, my friends. But let it be known that long before Puritans came to the new world, which was America, that there was a long history of Thanksgiving. A long history of Thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, as I was working this week and thinking how I would address the topic of Thanksgiving, I simply did a search in my Bible software for these words. Thanksgiving, thank or thanks, thankful, and thankfulness. And I was immediately overwhelmed by how important the concept of thanksgiving is to the Lord. I was convicted, I was challenged, and I had way too much information, and so that's why I had to delimit this sermon to a practical theology of thanksgiving, primarily from the Psalms. The book of Psalms is overwhelming when it talks about thanksgiving, and perhaps the the verse that we read this morning Psalm 75 verse 1 gives us the most comprehensive perspective on thanksgiving than any other single verse of the Bible. Again, it simply says, we give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. They, being the nation of Israel, give thanks to God, and they thank him for who he is, and they seemingly give thanks particularly by remembering what the Lord has done for them. And brothers and sisters and friends, it's good and right for us to think biblically about thanksgiving. It's good and right for us to think biblically about thanksgiving, not only the holiday of thanksgiving, but the notion or the concept of thanksgiving itself. Of course, we need to think biblically about holidays. We have great traditions and we have wonderful holidays that we can look forward to. But as you know, we as Christians are to think biblically in all things. We are to think God's thoughts after him, and his thoughts are revealed to us in Scripture primarily. And so we look forward to Thursday, and we realize that we have a real opportunity both to worship and to witness on Thanksgiving Day. But moreover, we have real opportunities to worship and to witness on days of Thanksgiving, which for us, friends, should be every day, should be every day. And so hopefully we'll see from the scriptures today that we need to give thanks constantly and continually. And I'm just going to ask the question up front. Do you give thanks more than you complain, or do you complain more than you give thanks? How are you doing with this concept of thanksgiving, friends? I'm thankful for these last couple of years for many reasons, but one of the reasons is that we have been given by God, who is sovereign over all things, a great opportunity to examine our hearts. Things in the government that are concerning, things in the state of California that are concerning. We are in the midst, friends, of a mass exodus of people from the state of California. And many of you may yourselves be considering leaving California there's freedom in Christ to do so. I'm not here to condemn anyone. I would encourage you to to think deeply about why you're feeling the way that you're feeling, but that's not the point I want to make this morning. I want to ask you this. Does 
the state of our state inhibit your thanksgiving to God? As a matter of fact, not just concerning our state, but many are concerned about the future of our nature of our nation. Many are concerned about many things. We could talk all day long about the concerns that are on our hearts. Brothers and sisters, your concern may or may not be warranted, but that's another topic for another day. The point that I want to make this morning is that we should not let, we must not let anything cause us to cease giving thanks. So there's no better time for us to consider Thanksgiving and to consider it biblically than now, as many of us anticipate celebrating Thanksgiving this week. And so therefore, this morning's sermon will ask and answer seven questions about Thanksgiving. So that you might have a healthy theology of Thanksgiving, yes, for the holiday season, but also for every season. And so let us begin with our first question. What is Thanksgiving? What is Thanksgiving? That might seem like a silly question, but I have a professor who always says, he who defines the word wins the battle. And so I want to make sure we're all on the same page when we talk about the concept of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a noun that describes the act of, you guessed it, giving thanks. It is the act of offering thanks or being thankful usually to God when it is used in the Bible. I like what the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible says. It reads, and I quote, Thanksgiving is the expression of gratitude or appreciation in response to blessing, protection, love, and other things. In the Judeo-Christian tradition, Gratitude is not a tool used to manipulate the will of God. It is never coerced or fabricated in one's mind. Rather, gratitude is a joyful commitment of one's personality to God. In the Old Testament, I love this, gratitude to God was the only condition in which life could be enjoyed. I would argue the same remains today. It continues, in the New Testament, the object of thanksgiving is the love of God expressed in the redemptive work of Christ. We give thanks. It's an expression of gratitude or appreciation. It can be done in many different ways, and we'll look at some of the ways in which the Bible tells us it's done. But we first have to answer the question, what is thanksgiving, so that we would be able to answer the next questions. So let us move on to our second question, who should give thanks? Who should give thanks? If you have an outline in front of you, you're going to see parentheses with a whole bunch of passages in them. They're in order as they appear in the Psalms and in some, sometimes the New Testament. I may not go through them in that order. I just won't give you that heads up right now if you get lost. All right, so who should give thanks? Let us first begin with individuals. Individuals should give thanks to God. Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2, the psalmist declares, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wondrous deeds. I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. And as we read through some of these psalms, we're going to see again and again and again, sometimes a specific person is the one declaring or commanded to give thanks. And so we as individuals and all individuals should give thanks to God. 
But it's not just we as individuals, sometimes groups or gatherings or people corporately are called to give thanks to God or are described as giving thanks to God. Psalm 75, verse 1, we just read it. It begins with, we, we give thanks. Asaph is writing that psalm, and it's for the nation of Israel, God's people. But we get even more specific as we continue in the psalms. It's specifically God's people throughout the ages who are to give thanks. Psalm 79, verse 13 reads, But we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever from generation to generation. We will recount your praise. It's the people of God over and over and over again in the text of Scripture that are reminded and commanded and exhorted to give thanks to God. I love how Scripture makes things clear. In this case, it's not just those who are under God. It's not just your average everyday person who's to acknowledge God. But even elite rulers themselves are to acknowledge God and to give thanks to God. Psalm 138, verses 4 and 5, it says, All the kings of the earth shall give thanks to you, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Not only shall the elite rulers, but those who are righteous should give thanks to the Lord. Psalm 140, Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name, the upright shall dwell in your presence. Those who have a relationship with God, in other words, those whom God has set his love on, surely the righteous. I love that, surely. It's like matter of fact, certainly. The, the people who know God, the people who are in relationship with God, certainly, they'll give thanks. But then look at what Psalm 145 verse 10 says. Yes, over and over again, the people of God are specified. But that doesn't give an excuse for those who don't know God not to give thanks. Psalm 145, verse 10 says, All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. Psalm 100, turn there with me. It's a simple five-verse psalm, but it's the first verse that's going to tell us that there's a universal emphasis, if you will. Look what it says in Psalm 100, verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. All the earth. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Later on, it specifies in verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise Give thanks to him, bless his name. This is what the entirety of the world should do. All people at all times and all places should acknowledge the Lord and give thanks. Unfortunately, they don't. And we're reminded in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. Let me read it. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world 
and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Look at verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Those who suppress the truth about God should repent and thank God. I don't know who's listening to me online. I don't know who's listening to me out back. I don't know how many of you are even listening to me. But for those of you who are listening to me, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no better time. There is no better time to acknowledge that you are in need and that everything that you have is a gift from God so that you would bow humbly before him and offer the thanks that is due his name. Those who suppress the truth about God should repent and thank God. When people suppress the truth, they show that they have a general knowledge of God. Not a saving knowledge, but a general knowledge of God. But they also, at the very same time, show that they prefer the darkness of sin rather than the light of the Lord. And that's exactly what Romans 1 goes on to detail. One of my theology professors puts it this way. He says, it is the act of suppressing the truth that is the admission of the objective reality of God. It is the act of suppressing the truth that is the admission or the acknowledgement of the objective reality of God. In other words, people suppress the truth and unrighteousness because they prefer the darkness rather than the light, but their act of suppression shows they're somewhat aware, generally speaking, the truth of God and his existence. Therefore, all mankind is without excuse, should give thanks that, and should give thanks, and they should give thanks to God. All mankind is without excuse. We have no excuse not to give thanks to the Lord. Therefore, we should give thanks to God. And that is the answer to our next question. Whom should we give thanks to? Let's make it more personal. All people should give thanks. But for our purposes here today, you should give thanks to the Lord. We should give thanks to the Lord. As we just saw in Romans 1, the answer is the God of the Bible. That is whom we should give thanks to. He has revealed himself both in his world and in his word. I find it interesting. You know what the Apostle Paul never does? The Apostle Paul never says thank you to anyone in all of his letters. doesn't do it. Well, what should we take from this? Let me explain briefly. I was sent an email by Crossway not too long ago, and they're the first, people, pe person, uh, the first people rather who pointed that reality out to me. And I was shocked, like, no way, someplace in Paul's writings, he has to say thank you to someone. That email reads, or at least a portion of it, says Paul was no ingrate. Rather, he was radically... God-centered. So every time he felt gratitude well up in his heart for his friends and his co-laborers in the gospel and the churches that he had planted, he put it in the form of thanking God, the good and gracious giver of all things, end quote. He constantly acknowledges God and gives thanks to God for people, for his co-laborers, for the churches. And I find this reality 
amazing. Why? Because it underscores the centrality of God in all things. I'm not going to go so far as to suggest that we cancel giving thanks to others, but I am going to go so far as to suggest that we should give thanks to God before we give thanks to anyone else. Generally speaking, God is the one to whom we should give thanks, but more specifically, I find it helpful to observe some of the ways that God is addressed in the context of giving thanks in the Psalms. Let us again look at Psalm 9, and we see him in Psalm 9 and in Psalm 30 addressed as the covenant-keeping God. The covenant-keeping God, the personal name of God, the, God the, the name that was revealed to the nation of Israel, the name that was revealed to Moses. Psalm 9, verses 1 and 2 read, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Psalm 30, verse 4 says, Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his name. Many of you know this, when we see the name Lord in the Old Testament, all caps, it's the personal name of God. It's Yahweh. It's the covenant name of God. And so over and over and over again, what we find in the Old Testament is the nation of Israel gives thanks to God as they recount his faithfulness, as they recount the fact that he has made promises to them and he is faithful to keep those promises to them. But that's not the only way he's dressed. He's also dressed addressed not with his personal covenantal name, but with the name that signifies his lordship. In Psalm 57, verse 9, it says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will praise, I will sing praises to you among the nations. The same idea we have, O Lord, here, but you'll see this time in your translations that Lord is not in all caps. And so in the Old Testament, when we see the word Lord, and it's not in all caps, that's the name Adonai, another Hebrew name, and it emphasizes the lordship, the, the mastery of their God. In other words, when we acknowledge the, the Lord with the name Adonai, we're saying, I'm yours. We're yours. You are the master, and we are the servant. You are the Lord, and we are the slave. And they give thanks to the Lord in those terms. They also use a generic name of God, a name that's used of God both in pagan religions and in the nation of Israel. Psalm 75, verse 1, we started there. We give thanks, or I will give thanks to you. I'm sorry. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. We, we recount your wondrous deeds. That's the word that many of you are familiar with, Elohim. It's a general name for God. And so it's acknowledged as his personal covenant as the personal God who revealed himself, he's acknowledged as the Lord, as the master. He, he's acknowledged as God, but perhaps my favorite is Psalm 136. This is the almighty, wondrous, majestic God. If there's any uncertainty in regard to why would they use a generic name for God that pagan nations also use, the Bible makes it crystal clear that they're not mixing up their theology, that they don't th believe that God is somehow polytheistic. Look what it says in, in uh, verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 136. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, 
for his steadfast love endures. And then in verse 26, it says, give thanks to the God of heavens for his steadfast love endures forever. Brothers and sisters, the God of Israel is the God of all. There is none like him. And he's acknowledged as such all throughout the book of Psalms and all throughout the book of the Bible. We should give thanks. And we should give thanks to the triune God of the universe who so graciously revealed himself to us through his works and his words. This leads us to our fourth question, how? How should we give thanks? If we are to give thanks, if we are to give thanks to God, how should we give thanks? And we'll begin here again in Psalm 9, verse 1. And first, we should give thanks with the entirety of our being. We should give thanks with the entirety of our being. Psalm 9 says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wondrous deeds. Psalm 86 verse 12 says, I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. Psalm 138 verses 1 and 2 says, I give thanks to you, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name in your word. In these three passages, we both see an inward reality and an outward reality with the whole heart. For the Hebrew, the idea of the heart is is the control center of man, the, the affections, the desires, the inner man, the immaterial part of man. Some liken it to the soul. We see with their whole heart, they will give thanks to the Lord. They're reasoning with themselves that this is due the Lord, that with the entirety of myself, I will give you thanks. But that expresses itself, that displays itself at times physically such that the psalmist can say, I will do this with my whole heart in in Psalm 138. But then he also says, I bow down toward your holy temple. So the inward reality is oftentimes expressed outwardly. And so sometimes in conservative churches, I better tread lightly here, the raising of hands, the clapping of hands, the foot tapping, The swaying, I don't know. Brothers and sisters, if we give thanks to God inwardly, how can we not express it outwardly? We all have differences, different proclivities, different desires, different likes. I understand that. I'm not saying next Sunday everyone should be shouting, amen, pastor. Although I wouldn't be opposed to that. You know, let God's people say amen. Amen. Come on now. Don't get me fired up now. But listen, listen, like we we love the Lord and we acknowledge him. And so sometimes we just thank you, Lord, praise you, Lord. We bow and we lift our head and we lift our hands because we give thanks inwardly and outwardly. As the Psalms indicate, with the entirety of our being, we should give thanks to the Lord. Well, how else should we give thanks to the Lord? Psalm 28 verse 7 says with songs, The Lord is my strength and my shield, and in him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song, I give thanks to him. I find it interesting that in this context, 
It's an individual. There are other places that tell us to sing corporately, to to tell us to gather and sing. But in this case, with his song, he will give thanks to him. Every once in a while, you need to break out in song, saints. And you need to sing God's praises. And you need to make up a song. Sing a new song unto the Lord. Because his goodness brings us to praise. Well, how else? With others nearby. Not only should we give thanks individually, not only should we break out in song, but we should also give thanks to the Lord publicly when others are nearby. Psalm 57 verse 9 says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. Now we have to think about how an Israelite, how the Hebrew mind would understand this. The peoples and the nations are anything and everyone other than Jews. And so what they're saying is that God, the God of Israel, our God, he has made a covenant with us. And when I'm with people and when I'm among the nations and where there are Gentiles in my midst, I'm gonna thank God. And so what's the application maybe for us? It's easy to give thanks in this setting, friends. It really is. There's not one iota of my person that thinks if I give thanks to God in this setting that I might be harassed or that I might be charged or that I might be fill in the blank. You know what's far more difficult to do? To give thanks in the presence of people who know God not. Friends, I encourage you. Give thanks to God in the presence of people who know know not God. Why? Because you never know how your thanksgiving is going to affect the person that in that moment, in that time, doesn't know God, but may in the future. We give thanks to God with others who are unlike us, are nearby. We also give thanks to God with words. Psalm 109 verse 30 says, With my mouth I will give great thanks to the Lord. I will praise him in the midst of the throng. So we express with words our thanksgiving to God, both in actions and in words. But Colossians chapter 2 gives us another insight in how we give thanks to the Lord. With abundance. With abundance. Colossians chapter 2 verses 6 and 7 says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving. For the next week, you guys got to fancy me. Don't talk to me unless you give thanks to God beforehand. Just, just let's make us a refrain in our church that we're a thankful people that express our thanks to God. Life is tough. This is challenging, just that and the other. But thank God. But praise be to God. We are to give thanks to God abundantly. We should give thanks, and we should give thanks to the triune God of the universe who so graciously revealed himself to us through his works and his word. And we should give thanks with the entirety of our being in many ways with great abundance. 
This leads us to our fifth question. When? When should we give thanks to God? And the obvious answer is all the time. The obvious answer is all the time. But perhaps we'd be helped to think more deeply. I'm convinced that we don't think about the future enough. I'm convinced that we think oftentimes, and I, when I say we, I mean the church in general, I, I think that we think oftentimes, well, eschatology doesn't really matter that much. I, I don't need to figure out those things. Uh, brothers and sisters, eschatology is all over the place in the scriptures. God has revealed it, and so it's good and right for us to think deeply about these things. And regardless of what eschatological bent you might be in, there are some certain things that we can agree on that will help us to think about what will happen in the future. And so when should we give thanks? It's good and right for us to acknowledge that we will be giving thanks forever. We will be giving thanks to God forever. And so if that's the case, if that's your future, then why shouldn't we practice now? Let us imperfectly give thanks in the here and now. We will perfectly give thanks in the future. But let us give thanks. Psalm, one thir or Psalm 30 verses 11 through 12 says, You have turned me, I'm sorry, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be song silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Psalm 44, verse 8. And God, we have boasted continually, and we will give thanks to your name forever. Psalm 52, verses 8 and 9. This is beautiful. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. Healthy, flourishing. The olive tree was, was a picture of, of life and abundance in Israel. He continues, I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name, for it is good in the presence of the godly. When do we give thanks to God? We will give thanks to God forever, but there are also specific times in which we should give thanks to God. When God delivers us or when God answers our pray, prayer, it is an appropriate time for us not to just love and appreciate the thing received, but to give thanks to God for making it come to fruition. Psalm 142, verse 7. Here's the request. Bring me out of prison. Why? Because in so doing, or if you will, that I may give thanks to your name. I'm asking you to do something for me, Lord. And if it comes to fruition, I will give thanks to you for it. It's interesting. I don't know how many of you keep prayer logs. I took a prayer class in seminary, and they made us pray for a certain amount of time every day, and we would have to write down those prayer logs. I had never prayer logged before in my life. But you know what happens when you write down your prayers? You're able to look back. And you're able to realize, wow, God answered that prayer. Well, God answered that prayer. I'm still praying for that prayer, and I'm going to be faithful in that. But God answered that prayer. We can thank God more effectively, perhaps, if we remember what we have prayed and make it a point to give him thanks. When should we give thanks to God? This is the obvious answer. Anytime. Anytime. 
Any time is a good time to give thanks to the Lord. Amen? First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 and 18. Rejoice always. That's a whole other sermon topic. Pray without ceasing. That's a whole other sermon topic. Here we are. Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If we are to give thanks in all things, if we are to give thanks in all circumstances, then the logical conclusion is that anytime our, circum- our circumstances change, then we have a new opportunity to give thanks. Circumstances are always changing. Therefore, we have an opportunity to give thanks almost any time. When should we give thanks to the Lord? We should give thanks to the Lord regularly, constantly, continually. Colossians chapter 3, I love this. Verses 15 through 17, talking about putting off and putting on. Put off the bad things. Put on the things that are honoring to the Lord. Paul picks up and he says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's some rich stuff in that text. But perhaps the one that we look over the most is the most punchy. It simply says, and be thankful. And be thankful. In other words, Christian, you are to be in a state of perpetual thanksgiving. That's the idea. It's not start something. It's simply, this is what you be. What are you to be, Christian? Thankful on a regular, consistent basis. We should give thanks, and we should give thanks to the triune God of the universe who so graciously revealed himself to us through his works and his word, and we should give thanks with the entirety of our being in many ways with great abundance, and we should give thanks anytime, at all times, and forevermore. This leads us to our sixth question, where should we give thanks? Where should we give thanks? Well, let us begin in the midst of God's people. Psalm 35, verse 18 says, I will thank you in the great congregation, in the mighty throng, I will praise you. If there's uh, anything theologically that I have uh, grown in in the past two years, it is the importance of gathering together in the local church. I always knew that was important. God's word clearly makes that the case. But pastoral ministry when the saints aren't gathering, is difficult. We're meant to live life together. And if we're meant to live life together, then we will give thanks together. We are to give thanks in the midst of God's people. We're also to give thanks in the presence of God. Psalm 95 verse 2 says, Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Psalm 100 verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give, give thanks to him and bless his name. 
And we understand that for the nation of Israel, the idea of coming into the presence of God is really primarily associated or centered with the tabernacle or the temple. But we also know what Jesus said to the Samaritan woman in John 4. He said, woman, believe me, the hour is coming or the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour or the time is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so we understand that there's a sense in which we're in the presence of God wherever our two feet are. Even more so, we understand that there's a sense in which we are always in God's presence through the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we understand that, that, that if we are to worship and give thanks in the presence of God, that means wherever we might be, we should give thanks to God. Yet at the very same time, we long and we anticipate to be in God's presence in a greater way. And that sure, certain hope should motivate our thanksgiving now. When our faith becomes sight, we will be in his presence in a way that we have not experienced yet. Nevertheless, we are both in God's presence here on earth, and we will be in God's presence in the new heavens and the new earth. And in both cases, and in both places, we should give thanks to God. In the midst of God's people, in the presence of God, but also in the presence of others. Psalm 108, verse 3, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. And so we talked about that verse already when we talked about when should we give thanks, when we're around others, but also there's a local presence there as well. Whenever we're with other people, when we have people into our house, when we have our neighbors into our house who don't know God, and that awkward moment comes where the meal has been served, what are you going to do, saint? I want to respect, you know, their, their personal desires, and maybe we shouldn't pray this one time. No, you say, hey, in this household, we pray. We give thanks to the Lord, and if you don't feel like bowing your head with me, that's fine, but just uh, pardon me for a moment. And you give thanks to God. You never know what the Lord does with these simple, faithful tasks, saints. We give thanks in the presence of others. And then again, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. Well, that means we can give thanks in any place. Why? Well, if we are to give thanks in all circumstances, and as, as I've already argued, if circumstances are always changing, and if some of those circumstantial changes are spatial or location, then it would seem that we should give thanks in any and every place that we find ourselves. So here we're at. We got one more question to answer, and here we're at so far. Brothers, sisters, and friends, regardless of your height, regardless of your weight, regardless of your ethnicity, we should give thanks. And we should give thanks to the triune God of the universe who has so graciously revealed himself to us through his works and his word. And we should give thanks with the entirety of our being in many ways with great abundance. And we should give thanks anytime, at all times, and forevermore. And we should give thanks in the presence of all kinds of people before the Lord, wherever we are. This brings us to our seventh question, why? 
Why should we give thanks? First, we sang of it this morning. But because God's nature, because God's nature necessitates our thanksgiving. In other words, if we understand a portion of who God is, if we believe that he is who he says he is, if we believe that he has revealed himself, then the only reasonable response, the only rational response is for us to give thanks. Psalm 7, verse 17. I will give to the Lord the thanks due his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord the Most High. The thanks due his righteousness. The thanks due his righteousness. It's, it's a natural response. Psalm 136, we already said this. I give thanks to the Lord. We highlighted the ways that God is expressed there, the, the God of God, the Lord of Lords. But here it simply says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Psalm 119 verse 68 says, you are good and you do good. So simple, yet so deep. We give thanks to the Lord for he is good. We see that over and over and over again. Psalm 136 verse 26, give thanks to the God of heaven. Why? For his steadfast love endures forever. That God is who he is and he is who he is forevermore. Why else should we give thanks to the Lord? Turn with me, please, to Psalm 50. You got to see this. Psalm 50. We'll pick it up in verse 7. And this is God speaking to the nation of Israel. The Lord says, Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel. I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you, your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? In other words, nation of Israel, you, you do a pretty good job of giving me all these offerings. But I don't need them. Let's get that straight, the Lord says. I don't need them. As a matter of fact, I'm sovereign over all things. I own all things. So you're really not giving to me anything that's not already mine. So what's the point? What's the point that's being made here? Look at verse 13, or verse 14, rather. God isn't pleased with their sacrifices. What does he want? Verse 14, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Brothers and sisters, why should we give thanks to God? Because God desires for his people to be thankful for who he is and what he has done. What does God want from you? You really wanna know what God wants from you? It's not your heartless worship. It's not all these good deeds. It's an authentic thanksgiving that acknowledges him as he truly is and causes you by his grace and the power of the Holy Spirit to be changed forevermore. That's what God wants from you. Give thanks to the Lord 
Because he desires it. Why else? Because thanksgiving magnifies and pleases the Lord. Look at Psalm 69 with me. Beginning in verse 29. This is David writing, and he says in verse 29, I am afflicted and in pain. He makes a request, let your salvation, O God, set me on high. And it seems as if in the midst of trial, in the midst of pain, in the midst of tribulation, he lets his request be made known to God that his salvation would set him on high. And even the thought of that seems to provoke what he writes next. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hoofs. When the humble see it, they will be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people who are prisoners. Why should we thank the Lord? Because thanksgiving magnifies and pleases the Lord. Simply put, another thing, why should we please the Lord? Because it's right and good to please the Lord. Psalm 92 verse 1, we read it earlier, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. These are all great reasons, but there's another reason to give thanks to the Lord, because you're commanded to give thanks to the Lord. Psalm 105, verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. Psalm 106, verse 1, Praise the Lord, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 107, verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 118, verse 1, you guessed it, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. We are commanded over and over and over again to give thanks to the Lord because he is worthy, because he is worthy of our thanksgiving. Why else should we give thanks to the Lord? Because it's the proper expression. It's the proper expression after God's amazing acts of salvation. Psalm 106 verse 47 says, Save us, O Lord, our God, and gather us from among the nations. Why? That we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Psalm 118, verse 21, I thank you that you have answered me and, I have, and have become my salvation. Psalm 118, verses 28 and 29, you are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. I love how the psalmist reason with themselves, it seems like. It is right, and so therefore I will do it. Sometimes we don't feel like giving thanks, but guess what? I'm going to preach to myself, flesh shut up, spirit rise up and in me, and I'm going to give thanks to the Lord. Over and over and over again, we see it. One more reason why we should give thanks to the Lord. Because he is the sustainer of all things. Because he is the sustainer of all things. We have to realize that apart from God, we simply aren't. That apart from God, we simply are not. The entirety of the human race, the entirety of the things that we see, apart from God, we don't exist. He is the creator of all things and he is the sustainer of all things. What does Paul say? For from him and through him 
and to him are some things. No, that's heresy. For from him and through him and to him are all things such that all of creation should do what? Acknowledge him and give him thanks. Psalm 147 verses seven and nine says, sing to the Lord with thanksgiving, make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beast their food and to the young ravens that cry. He is the standard of all things. And so friends and brothers and sisters, we should give thanks to God. We should give thanks. We should give thanks to the triune God of the universe who has so graciously revealed himself through his works and his words. And we should give thanks with the entirety of our being in many ways with great abundance. And we should give thanks anytime, at all times, and forevermore. And we should give thanks in the presence of all kinds of people before the Lord wherever we might be. And we should do all of this because God is worthy. Because God is worthy of our authentic thanksgiving. Because God desires our thanksgiving. Because God is honored by our thanksgiving. Because God commands our thanksgiving. And because giving thanks to God is the only reasonable response from his creatures. In conclusion, my friends, I want to be specific. We give thanks to God through Christ. We give thanks to God through Christ and we thank God for Christ. We cannot rightly give thanks. We cannot give thanks as we are unless we are in Christ. And so if you're not in Christ this morning, you might be thankful generally speaking, but you cannot give thanks to God as you ought unless you're in Christ, unless you've believed that he has come into this world to redeem mankind, that he lived the perfect life, that he died a substitutionary death. He took the wrath of God that belongs to you and I. He took it upon himself, satisfying the wrath of God, but the grave couldn't hold him. On the third day, he rose. He ascended into heaven. We're awaiting his return where he will judge the living and the dead. You have to believe upon Christ to appropriately give thanks to God. Well, why is this important? Yeah, I see all this data. I see all this information, Kenny. We're supposed to, we're supposed to give thanks. Two reasons why it's important. And then I'll pray. Friends, biblical thanksgiving combats idolatry. Biblical thanksgiving combats idolatry. What happens in Romans 1? Although they knew God, they didn't acknowledge him as such and they didn't give thanks. And we read through that passage, God hands them over to their sinful desires, their idolatrous desires. And they encourage people to do the same. I don't know what idols you might be wrestling with. I don't know what's going on in your heart on this day. Some of you idolize food or drink or a nice house or cars or the opposite sex or you fill in the blank. Give thanks to God for what you have. Give thanks to God for what you have. You deserve nothing, and you've been given so much. Give thanks. And this leads to the next reason why this is important. It's because biblical thanksgiving 
promotes contentment. Biblical thanksgiving promotes contentment. Why in Philippians 4, that abuse text, I can do all things. Paul's talking about contentment. He's talking about contentment. Why? Because he's thankful. Rather I have a lot or rather I have a little, I can do all things because I'm content. He's learned the secret of contentment. And I would argue that it is in part thanksgiving. You want more? The grass is always greener on the other side. If I could just live there, if I just had this wife, if I just this whatever, I'd be happy. I could fulfill the role that God wanted me to fulfill. I could be more joyous and more thankful. You need to, when you have those thoughts, I kid you not, tell the Satan or tell Satan to get behind you. I'm dead serious. Those thoughts are not from the Lord. Those thoughts are from the enemy. Be thankful. Offer thanks to God. It promotes contentment and it combats idolatry. And the last thing is this. Ask yourself regularly and often, what is it that you think you deserve? What is it that you think you deserve? Because unless and until, unless and until we truly believe the words that we sing in this church, that all we have is Christ, unless and until we believe that, we're going to have a real hard time giving thanks in a way that fully honors the Lord. Father, would you help us to be thanksgivers? Would you help us, O God? to acknowledge you as you truly are and ourselves as we truly are and acknowledge that we deserve nothing at all. The only thing that we have earned is your condemnation, your wrath, your scorn. Yet you have given us everything that we need for life and godliness through the precious promises of your word. And so encourage our hearts this morning, Lord, to rejoice. Encourage our hearts this morning to give thanks Yes, in all circumstances, knowing that you are enough, that we are yours and you are ours. And Lord, we acknowledge that we have an awesome opportunity to give thanks to you as we witness the baptism of five young saints. We are thankful for the gift of salvation. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. We acknowledge that we have done nothing to save ourselves, that we cannot do anything to save ourselves, but you have graciously chosen us, elected us before the foundation of the world such that we're born again and believe in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Help our hearts to sing and our mouths to sing, therefore, as we anticipate continuing worshiping you as we witness these baptisms. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.